0: in a moment. right? We're calling this the Ten Commandments of Judgment Day and Repentance and it's all dealing with evangelism and the sovereignty of God and um, apologetics and, and all of that as we venture more into uh, to this study. Um, I have a quote. If you have... Did I pass those out? I didn't, did I? <coughs> okay. I've got some here and uh, move those around. Anyway, on... At, at the top of your page, as you get them, is a Charles Spurgeon quote. And I know he's much quoted and sometimes maybe overdone, but it's hard to overdo Spurgeon. You, know, you can't get enough of him. But um, he spoke much on the law and how it was supposed to be used in uh, giving the gospel out. And he said this, one one sentence. to a question. If the giving of the law while it was yet unbroken, and that's, that's the giving of the law to the, the Israelites uh, at Mount Sinai when it first came, it was unbroken yet, right? As, as he had just given to them. And as soon as he gave it to them, they, they blew it, right? It was yet unbroken. was attended with such a display of awe-inspiring power. You remember the trumpets blowing and the big blast and every, you know the thunder and the lightning? What will that day be when the Lord shall, with flaming fire, take vengeance on those who have willfully broken that law. That sounds like Spurgeon, doesn't it? Well, You know, if that was something whenever He first gave the law, what's going to be like whenever He comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not trust in Him, who are not believers? Right? Now, we can sing a song to Him called One Day. And... Um, as, as we sing that, we recognize that He's going to come back and we look for that. But people who are not believers are going to see something that is uh, definitely awe-inspiring, uh, flaming fire in God's vengeance and His wrath. So uh, pretty powerful uh, text that we're dealing with tonight, because when you talk about the law and Judgment Day and repentance, it sounds like negative terms. And I don't know if I would advise going out on the street and just using those automatically. Uh, you might get shot at or taken to jail or something. I don't know. Actually, these are terms that we are to be using. (laughs) But they do sound negative and it will turn a lot of people away. But uh, have you ever wished that there would be some way that you could express to others, believers and unbelievers especially, the joy that you have in Christ? And sometimes you feel like you've fall kind of short of being able to give that same hope that you have to them. You wished you could. Uh, How many times have you regretted not sharing maybe the the simple truths that we have because maybe we were a little bit afraid. Maybe we just felt a little awkward. Maybe a little inadequate at the time uh, when we could have testified about our great God. I think sometimes it's good to ask ourselves, how can I get into a conversation with people? And and you probably said this many times yourself. How can I turn this conversation that we're talking about—that's that's really good—into something where I really want it to go anywhere? I really want it to go to be speaking about God, right? I really want to get it about Christ, and that's really where I want every conversation to go, anyway, right? And we're talking with unbelievers. You're thinking, well, how can, how can I do this? And it won't sound like I'm just trying to come in there and blast them uh, out of the out of the room. Uh, but you know, we want to give them the good news. It's easy with Christians, isn't it? We can just sit down and just start talking about the things of the Lord. And well, we should. Or it'll eventually go into that. But sometimes we really feel awkward about it, and we say, "How can I get there?" That's really what I want to talk about. Um, maybe we could give uh, some. A few examples that maybe can help. It's not a, a cure-all. Uh, and the Lord is going to make those things work. And, of course, if we're in prayer about it, uh, this is an issue um, that is part of our Christian life. You know, we we study the Word. We pray. Uh, we worship with the congregation. Um, you know, fellowship. And, and another part of it is that we uh, desire to give the gospel to the lost. And, uh, you know... God is a sovereign God, and, and we want to get that, that across. Um, but it, it's difficult sometimes. And, the, you know, we, we dealt with a few weeks ago some of the objections that people have or questions. And so unbelievers might ask us questions. Well, sometimes it's good, and I think often it's good for us to ask questions. Because that's not too unlike what Jesus did. As they would ask him a question, he'd come right back and ask them a question. To see where they're at. Of course, he asked the disciples a lot, "Who do they say that I am?" Right. Anyway, give you just a a, a little bit of one here. I don't know if it has a little bit of humor in with it, maybe. But um, here's Christian. Here's here's a Christian now, and he has a person right there talking with him. He say, "Hi, how are you? How are you doing?" And the guy says, "Awful." This is this is non-Christian now. And he asks, "What's the problem?" Well, what's that? I have troubles. Now who doesn't have troubles, right? <laughs> I have troubles. You don't know what kind of troubles this guy has. So you say, "Well, what's the problem? What what's what are all the problems that you have? What's the troubles?" He says, "Well, my wife left me." And you go, "Oh, uh, sorry to hear about that. What how come? What what's 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 the what's the deal?" "Well, I have a small problem with alcohol and a little bit with gambling. By the way, can you give me a cigarette?"
1: And
0: yeah. "My I smoke? Uh, no, go right ahead." Um, Oh, by the way, can you lend me a couple of dollars? I uh, smashed my car up the other day and I need to get it fixed. Oh, well, how did that happen? Well, I had a couple of beers and I was on my way to the court to pay a speeding fine. It's the third DUI I've had this month. This guy's had troubles, right? He's got troubles. You've heard that song? Troubles. He's got Troubles. So anyway, you go. Well, my um, Christian says, "Do you ever pray?" And he says, "All oh, the time." I told you I had problems. And then then he asks, like, "Well, do you need? Do you ever feel like you have a need of maybe repentance and and forgiveness of your sins, forgiveness from God?" And he goes, "No." And then he could be thinking. Uh, and I don't know if you'd want to say this at the time, but be thinking, oh, uh, he needs to see the Ten Commandments, since this is part of the, the lesson right? and <laughs> part of the title. Um, the Ten Commandments will help you with that. Uh, matter of fact, if you say, no, you don't need any forgiveness and you don't need to repent, what the Ten Commandments do is that they'll show you and your guilt before a holy God. And um, the guy says, well, hey, I I know I'm guilty, and I have a lot of work to do, though, before I even get into that kind of stuff. And what does Christian say? Listen to me. All the problems that you have now, multiplied a thousand times over, won't be anything like the problem that you have when you stand at the judgment seat of God on judgment day if you refuse to repent. Just a sense of thinking. That's where we really want to get them, because there is the real problem. Now you have to feel for somebody with a lot of problems, but what's the biggest problem where you want to get them to? They they need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can ask um, our friends questions about their beliefs. I think it's, it's a good thing to do. Ask, you know, just what's going on, but. I think first, if you can get your friend or the person that you might even talk to, might might have just met, if you can get them to uh, where you can listen to what their beliefs are, that's a good place to start. Um, you know, what kind of, do you have any kind of spiritual interest? And if they start telling you. That's good because and now that will allow them to maybe listen to what your beliefs are as we could kind of trade and that way you can get to the gospel that quick. That's one thing. A second and more important, it allows you to know what's going on in this person's life. If he's a friend, you can see where he's at uh, as far as the spiritual aspect is concerned. Um, and... Um, There are. There's one. I think it's a book called "Sharing Jesus Without Fear." Has anybody ever heard of that one? Got some interesting uh, suggestions in way of just trying to get conversations going, just to talk with them. You know, one of them is this: Do you have any spiritual interest? And if they say no, and I don't want to talk about that, then that's okay. He, I mean, you might as well stop because you're probably not going to get any further. But what if they say, "Yeah, I do," and you say, "Well, hey, I'd like to hear them. You know, let's let's listen to it." If you can get to that point, you go, "Okay, well, then, what do you want to know next?" Well, you want to know what do they think about Jesus? Did, and of course, Jesus asked that many times. Who do they say that I am? Well, what is this person saying about Jesus? He might have a different spiritual thought. He may not be a Christian, but he has these spiritual beliefs. You can say, okay, you've heard of Christ. What do you think of him? They might, he might say that, well, he's, he's a great prophet, right? Or who knows what they might say. But you, you'll get an idea. But if you get him into talking about that, you might get this person then to say, okay, do you have any thoughts about heaven or hell? What do you you think on heaven or hell? Now, you got them to a third question here. You're getting pretty deep here. And they may say that they believe in a heaven. may not believe in a hell. A lot of people like to believe in heaven because it makes them feel a little more comfortable that after this life, that they're going to go there. That's probably what they're thinking. Then that's where you can ask a question, well, if you died tonight, where would you go? And and if if they're still saying yes, And they've opened themselves up. I mean, you can go for uh, as long as you want. If, If, you know, they're talking, you're talking. And I think one of the biggest points is, okay, by the way then, let's just say if what you're believing is not true, if it were not true, if it were not true, would you want to know? Would you want somebody or somewhere be able to tell you that that is not true at all? And if they say yes, without even coming in there and trying to make them uncomfortable, you've been able to set it up to where you can get them to where you want them to go. And uh, this is not a technique or anything. It's just saying these are just another way of being able to open people up in conversation. Just get them to talk. And then let's see how far we can take this. If they don't want to go any further, and they say, "Hey, I don't want to talk about heaven or hell. That's enough." Then, you know, how far that that's that's as good as you're going to get there uh, to say that's enough. Uh, we don't want arguments. We just want to be able to share truth, don't we? Um, so anyway, those five questions those can help. It's it's like, do you have do you have any uh, spiritual interest at all? Uh, who is Jesus? Then if they Have some statement about Jesus. What about heaven or hell? Um, And then, if that be the uh, fact, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or hell if you died tonight? A lot of people would think, well, they're going to go to heaven no matter what. And, of course, the fifth one says, what if what you're believing is actually not true? Would you want to know that? Or do you want to stay in that? (laughs) Anyway, um, it's a privilege of sharing. Somebody may ask this, well, why do I need Christianity? I'm doing just fine. Matter of fact, I'm a good person. Now I know, we've talked about this quite a bit. Have you guys heard that one before? But bet you everyone has. I'm a good person, and anyone who tells me anything else than that is being judgmental. <laughs> We're not trying to be judgmental. That's not our point, is it? But the Word of God does discern uh, truth and error, God's. Word is judgmental. Uh, And of course, they're going to ask, Well, who are you to judge? And of course, you can say, Well, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God says. Um, Somebody at uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina University, um, of course, they have a a liberal slant on um, what God is, what He's like and such, and salvation. One of the students came up with this one. Well, if God wants to forgive sin, God can forgive sin. And He doesn't need Christ or sacrifices or all that blood that you Christians talk about in order to forgive. If He's God, He can just forgive. Boom. They're getting right for the Gospel, aren't they? Boom, we go in and we can tell what the cross was about. You know, I mean, those sound offensive, but don't take them offensively. Don't even take it as a personal sense of saying, oh, well, great. They're allowing me to answer this and give truth. How they respond is not up to us, but at least we get the opportunity of sharing what we want to do anyway. So what we're going to look at tonight is we're going to start with the Ten Commandments because, or the Law. Uh, But I'm saying the Ten Commandments because we can just go down through there and show right away that nobody follows them. Uh, Whenever somebody says they are a good person, they're saying that, um, hey, most of those Ten Commandments, I I follow. Some people are as brash to to tell you that they follow every one of them. And other people say, well, I break a few, but uh, God is good enough that He wouldn't send anybody to hell for breaking a few of them, would He? (laughs) We know better than that. You know how to answer those questions, right? Well, I think I'm the only one
1: sitting here probably who doesn't know how to answer the question that you just brought up about uh, why God doesn't just forgive
0: them. He could do guess, that, couldn't he? I That's what they're thinking. I'm
1: probably that we all know that answer, but I'm sitting here thinking, I don't even know how to get past the first question you just brought up.
0: Well, <laughs> what, what are we thinking of? When, when we're thinking of, uh, let's say, just the Ten Commandments, just the Ten Commandments, it's, it's holy. It's righteous in every way, right? Um, and the thing is, is because God is holy, He can't wink at sin. He can't wink at just one sin. If we just broke one, just one commandment, He would still, because of His holiness and His justice, has to meet His justice. And so therefore, that, that's of course, that's where Christ comes in. And that's where the one who takes the place of where our place ought to be, and because he is so holy that something has to be done that we can be put in um, to his family, and so um, it's always his, it's it's righteousness, his uh, it is his holiness. That's how his standard is so completely perfect. Um, be perfect as the Father in heaven is perfect, right? Well. None of us were. How could we be? Only in Christ are, can that be. And that's why the law is so important to, to get that across if somebody saying, well, you know, hey, I'm pretty good. Then boom, you can go, okay, well, check this out. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No other gods. Um, we're to love Him with what? Heart, mind, soul, strength. Every aspect, right? Every part of our being is to love Him. Have no other gods. Nothing that takes the place of God. No other gods. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, how extreme is this? Yeah, okay, I I believe in God, but is that good enough? Well, uh, question 104 in the catechism of the Westminster uh, Catechism, the larger one, It asks a question, what are the duties required in the first commandment? Now, this is going along with that verse, we are to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? That's out of our Mark 12. I think that's where that's at. The question is, what are our duties then? Well, here it is. See if we line up with this. We would like to in every way, and sometimes we do, but this extremely high standard is going to show that even we fail that. The duties required in the first commandment are the knowing and acknowledging of God to be the only true God and our God. Well, that's pretty good, right? We can acknowledge that. Let's go on. And to worship and glorify Him accordingly by thinking, meditating, remembering, highly esteeming, honoring, adoring, choosing, Loving, desiring, fear of Him, believing Him, trusting, hoping, delighting, rejoicing in Him. Being zealous for Him. This is still one sentence. (laughs) Calling upon Him, giving all praise and thanks, and yielding all obedience and submission to Him with the whole man. Every part of us. Being careful in all things to please Him, and sorrowful when in anything He is offended, and walking humbly with Him. Now that is a mark of a Christian that they want to do these things, but not always are we. 100% 100% with all this. Love God with every aspect of your being. And uh, today, somewhere along the line, we probably fell short of His glory and possibility, right? So even Christians have that problem. Somebody who, but in, in, in position in Christ, because of what Christ has done, that's, you know, we are obeying that because of Christ's work. Now, the thing is, somebody who is not a Christian. As that should encourage us on. Somebody who's not a Christian and, and to say, to have the audacity to say, I follow the Ten Commandments. And yet, here in the First Commandment, when Jesus says to love Him with every aspect of your whole being, is there anybody that can do that? I mean, that's the First Commandment. It may not be seen as much. They say, well, I believe in God. We are to have no other gods before Him and thinking nothing else. That one's a that one's a pretty tough one. Um, as well as they all are. But this is... See, the Ten Commandments start with who? With God. <laughs> starts with Him, who He is. The second one is dealing with idols. Kind of related to the first, but it's different. Um, of course, the idolatry, we think of the physical idols that, that they would make with their human hands. And of course, God... Uh, Reproved them time after time uh, and not uh, were they ever to have those idols that the other nations had but uh, we see that it did come into play they even made an idol of God as soon as He had given as He was given them the Ten Commandments you remember the the golden calf Uh, that was to the true God But it was their own thinking and their own image and their own mind of what God was like. And so they put Him in that sense. You shall not make for yourself any graven image. To make God to suit yourself. If you make God in an image that you like, that makes you feel comfortable. You know, if we can take His standard down a little bit that makes us look a lot better. Now we have made an idol out of that. Now John Calvin uh, used a phrase of saying that humans are uh, idol factories. We produce idols constantly. <laughs> We're setting up all sorts of things, uh, taking the place of God. I- What's that?
1: I, I thought idol. I yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idol factory.
0: okay let's, let's take um, let's take heaven people say well what happens when, uh, when you die what are you going to do well I, I hope I'll go to heaven some people will say or some will say I'm going to heaven or you go to a funeral and you know that person never trusted Christ unless it was on their last dying breath or something you know they were against God but you're, you're thinking uh, how can this, you know they're saying that this person is going to heaven and there was never any acknowledgement of who God was uh, most people have their idea of what heaven is in some manner or form. Uh, Even all the other other kind of religions do. So they make an idol out of that and an idolatry out of uh, what they think God is. In their own minds, they make up what heaven is. You can say, well, how do you get to heaven? Uh, What are are some of the ideas of different religions? Uh, Well there's really about five major categories. There are a lot of different religions and I'm not going to go into all of them, just maybe three or four of them. But most believe this, that hard work and wisdom will lead to that utter utter fulfillment that will get you into unity with God. Okay, that would be like Buddhism, Hinduism, the highs. You guys are familiar with those. So basically, it's getting you into unity. If you can finally reach a unity with God, which really means you get into nothingness. I mean, you finally get out of all of this stuff, which they don't call sin. It's just a figment of your imagination. And you reach a point where you get into, kind of like a nirvana, right? You're, you're nothing, whatever. Uh, some, or uh, Scientology is really big today. Tom Cruise, a lot of the Hollywood stars, and their big deal is freedom and independence of what's what's binding. And so actually, there again, it's the things that you're involved with is kind of like not reality. Or you have the um, Unitarians. You've heard of Unitarianism, um, Wicca. They teach that afterlife is whatever you want it to be. So there we go. So all this is idolatry, isn't it? You can make heaven into whatever you think it is, and that's what it is. How convenient. Salvation is really a non-issue, because there's no such thing as a sin nature. There's no such thing as sin. Unitarianism. Uh, a few believe that afterlife doesn't even exist. You, you live here, you die, that's it. Or it's too unknowable. That's, a, that's another view. And then you can take uh, some derivatives of Christianity and Judaism. They take a little bit of the Word of God and get their own ideas in. And so you, because of your accomplishments, because of your deeds, your works, your baptism, your uh, door-to-door evangelism, whatever, whatever you've done, and because of that, that will get you into heaven. That sounds pretty close, but that's not even right. Only Christianity teaches the free gift of God the grace of God that's the only way that you can get in through faith in Christ atheism what is it they believe well they don't really believe in a heaven there's no God there's no heaven basically there's no afterlife at all or they have another answer you get into quantum mathematics or something like that mechanics uh, scientific methods that's the only afterlife there is really doesn't exist um Baha'i doesn't teach that man has a sin nature. That's how they can explain all of this kind of stuff that's going on that's not favorable conditions and people killing each other and all the suffering. Um, there's really, you don't need to be saved from evil. Uh, it really gets down to, it really, it's really not here. All of these are erroneous beliefs that we have, and what you need to do is realize that God had sent messengers, people like Jesus and Buddha and Moses and all those guys, to progressively show the nature of God. And whenever you die, your soul continues on in the spiritual journey and it finally comes into a final resting that you become united with God. A little g. That's as good as they get. Nirvana is Buddhism. It's the same type of thing. That's idolatry. That's making things that are not truth into something else. Making God into something that He's not. Or just taking a little away from Him and making Him more, a little more desirable, more comfortable. And so, that would be breaking the first and the second commandment. Uh, how about, have you ever heard of people that say they don't believe in God but yet they take God's name in vain? You ever wondered why that is? Well, <laughs> uh, we know that it, show, it actually shows contempt for the Creator God. He's the one that created them. And to slur someone's name is to actually insult that person. If you take somebody's name, you know, behind their back and, and you start using that, you're, you know, you're slurring that name, insulting them. If you want to get a rearrangement of your face, just go to some of the hardest criminals. That you could ever think of somebody that, that's really really hard and, and you would think there's no soft part in their body and if you want to get rearranged just insult their mother you know <laughs> or anybody in their family for that matter right they will get that will get them upset if you take and use somebody else's name and, and you make an insult. And that's what people are doing. They're insulting the very name of God. And people will say, it's not that special. It's not a big deal. I'm just saying it as a word. But what they're doing is they're taking the name of God and they're substituting it to express their disgust. They're disgusted with something. They're angry and so they just blurt it out you know, and, and hit on with it. And they say, hey, it doesn't matter. I don't even believe in God anyway. But the problem is they still have to face him on judgment day whether they believe in him or not. That's, you know, so there again, that one is easily broken. Many people people take that. So uh, it doesn't take much to con- to at least prove that you've broken at least as far as what, what has been presented, uh, the Ten Commandments. It used to be taught in the schools until, what, 50 years ago? Something like that. Um, keep, keep the Sabbath holy. There's another one people break constantly. Just just on a day that where people worship. Do, are they involved with a fellowship? Do they go to church? Um, what but,
1: day is that Sabbath?
0: Well, uh, that's a good question. The, the Sabbath, of course, to the Jews, and you see it there in the, the Ten Commandments, is fourth commandment, is that was the uh, seventh day of the week. And of course, that was given to them. And by the way, the the Jewish people today still worship on the Sabbath day, on on that celebrating that as the Sabbath. But the New Testament, and we have quite a few different scriptures we can go to, but we notice that after the the resurrection was on the first day of the week, and the church began meeting on the first day of the week, even though the Jews were meeting on the seventh, seventh day Sabbath. And that's when Paul, even in the book of Acts and other places, will see him going into synagogues on the Sabbath day. So there's nothing wrong with worshiping any day, but the first day was a day that was um, taken by the church. And uh, on the first day of the week, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, When you collect, make your collections. So there, there we have proof that there's a the first day. In Galatians it talks about uh, a Sabbath day. Let no man have any rule over you on, on, on having any days uh, of the week as far as a legalistic thing. Like they're a seventh day Adventist. And they say, oh, oh, you have to worship on, on Saturdays. That's the Sabbath. That's the seventh day of the week. If you don't do that, then you are uh, part of uh, what they call part of the whore. That's, that's their theology on that. Or other, there's Seventh-day Baptists. There's still a lot of Seventh-day people. But um, there's, there were new moons, there were Sabbaths, there were certain festivals they celebrated, and those all culminated in the person of Christ who fulfilled all that. We as Christians have entered into our Sabbath rest, Hebrews 4 says. So we are in the Sabbath. Sabbath has been fulfilled through the person of Christ. But the church celebrates the resurrection on the first day of the week. But if people want to meet on other days, and we're meeting here on a Wednesday, for instance. But, uh, you know, I mean, if somebody wanted to meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, you know, are they really being held in contempt of God? Uh, Not necessarily, but uh, historically, that's when the church said, and biblically. uh, So, but that's keeping the Sabbath in a a sense. I think we as Christians can say that, yeah, uh, we, we do fellowship. That's important. Uh, that a church gets together, you know, and so that's the way the church as a whole mostly takes it today. How about honoring parents? You know, today we see kids killing parents or parents killing kids, and uh, we hear them uh, cussing at their parents and all sorts of terrible things. Uh, and you know, of course, it says in Scripture, in New Testament, I think, to Timothy that in these last days uh, that natural love in the family won't even we be there. Astorge is the word. The natural kind of love that you have in a family is not even there. That's incredible, isn't it? What's going on, right? So there is another command. You know, So if you want to ask somebody, have they followed the law, just take them down through this. How about murder? And most people are going to say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. Uh, so they've taken that standard and they, they've made it really low because you can get over that one. It's like, uh, uh, what is that uh, one game? If you go to a, a roller skating rink, and they have the bar really high and you can skate underneath it, you know? What is it? Yeah, Limbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have this little, cute little song going. But then they they make that standard a little bit harder and harder and then they take it all the way to where, you know, you have to almost literally get on the floor. (laughs) It goes, I mean... (laughs) Hey, I'm done after that first one. Matter of fact, I can't even get through that first one. I'm falling on my skates. Anyway... Murder was defined by Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 5. We've taken enough time not to be able to turn to the scripture. There's some Scriptures that I've kind of forgotten to turn to here. Matthew 5. Just going through a little bit of the law to show that every one of us have broken all of these laws. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Jesus comes on the scene. He says, okay, you want to talk about the law? I fulfilled it. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you what it really means. I'm not I'm not uh, demining the Ten Commandments. I'm just telling you further what it really meant. You've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court, right? Everybody knew that. That's, that's one of the worst things to kill somebody. Murder. But I say to you, Jesus is saying this. Okay, I'm going to clarify it, He says. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court and whoever says to his brother you good for nothing shall be guilty before the supreme court and whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell we're not talking about the act of murdering we're talking about the attitude that we have towards somebody if we have hatred towards another brother or have called him Fool and slandered him, and and for you know all of this is 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 guilt. It's murder, and we go whoop somewhere along the line. I sure have done that. We're murderers, aren't we? I mean that's incredible. Do I hear rain out there? Ha ha! Thank you, Lord. <laughs>
1: Actually, I'm praying it hey, hey, how you doing? You're praying it won't rain. Uh oh, you got something going. Yeah, we got a. This is something y'all pray about. One of our churches is right down the hill near Joshua House—that last Sunday, uh, when that birth, that rain came, the roof leaked and flooded everything. Mm-hmm. And they had to got the roof fixed. it was supposed to be through tomorrow.
0: Oh well, that—that so it, it, that it wouldn't rain in this whole area around right here. Until they that that's, man, that's—that wasn't that much right, rain, sure was you it? That's a, this is Calvin, and this is this is one of the guys that allows us to, to meet in this building, and we want to thank you, Calvin, like, a, i they with all kinds of churches. I work
1: with forty-three churches around. So, uh, this is this is kind of a uh, priority. Yeah, sounds like it's
0: doing it. Okay. Wow. Sounds like they're going to have problems down there wonder what's going to be done there okay um are you going to be needing any help what what are you going to do
1: i'm trying okay. to some i need a bunch of okay. Well, right, if there's anything, let let me you know. know okay. All right. Two things: one, there's not much more
0: damage, and two, the insurance will come through. Okay. Hey, let's let's pray right now for them. Father, we uh, we know that there's an urgent need here, and and uh, that there wouldn't be. Um, Too much damage uh, to this situation to the church, and then also at the same time that uh, the insurance would be able to cover this, as it looks like there's going to be a little bit of difficulty coming up. So, I just pray for uh, your wisdom and all the things that need to be done there. In Jesus' name, Amen. That's hail now, isn't it? All right. So if if somebody said, "Well, I haven't," and then usually that is the one that people will use the most. it's Gotta get violent. I can't get in get in with where? It's coming right
1: into the building. Hey, you know the good thing is my customers want to come along.
0: I don't know how much longer that's going to go. I don't know if somebody wants to head for the hills and try to get to a garage or something.
1: Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, it's... It's uh. my truck making good bad.
0: I'll tell you what. I'm going to. I'm going to just go ahead and um, stop it here. It's almost time anyway. Because uh, I'm going to have to compete against the hail. But yeah, you don't
1: have That's
0: right. Hey, um, do you see though how you can take somebody and show them that here's where we stand before a holy guy? This convicts all of us, doesn't it? And so it, it runs into that and it shows you that. We are in the need of grace and we need a savior so anyway. Thank you guys for coming
1: I'm out.